It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Pete. This joke kind of writes itself, but that doesn't stop me usually. Per <laughs> Shams Karania, he says the NBA has sent its 30 teams the game presentation protocols for 2020 and 2021 in conditions of limited uh, or no fans. Some of the points are enhanced theatrical lighting, uh, crowd from arena noises and uh, NBA 2K and plus, you know, some pre-recorded chants and the possibility of team arena entertainers. And that's just a Clippers game from last year. <laughs> Got them bomber firing off the hot dog cannon. <laughs> like directly be the halftime show directly at Lawrence Frank. Every time Paul George misses a shot, he just shoots Lawrence Frank with his hot dog cannon. Can I, this, is, this ties into something that we've been talking about. Like I really just like how the NBA markets their game and like the in, in, in arena entertainment, all of the, like, let's entertain people with non-basketball stuff. Like, <laughs> there are so many ways to promote this amazing game through basketball. And it's not like, I, I know I can come across as, as like, a, you need to be diligently breaking down the X's and O's at all times, right. right? But, like, there's plenty of, like, let's have a, I don't know, man, let's have a, let's have a dunk contest at halftime between two, like, and one street hooper, like, those mm-hmm. dunk contests are nuts. If you ever yeah. watch the guys that do that professionally, like there's so many elements to basketball culture that you can celebrate that you don't have to like whenever we have musical performers and things like that, very rarely are they good in terms of a good fit for a basketball. Just type ask venue. Ja Rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So please clap. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's like they're, they're pointing their attention in the wrong direction in, in emphasizing those sorts of things, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I think you could have both, you know, given, given the fact that 
you know, this is going to be a very different year. You could you can have and one hoopers dunking on Ja Rule. <laughs> I'm just saying, to... I'm, there's room for everyone. Just standing there with his hands up, uh-huh. with the I mic right, like the the mic out to the, and then just like one of them dudes just jumps over his head. Yeah, it could be just like Twitter, and people can dunk on Doug Gottlieb just like mercilessly. Hey, Amen. All the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I, I think like you can, like why not on one half of the court have somebody performing over there? I would prefer it be like up and coming performers, you know. And see if, like, one thing that I thought became a huge part of the TV show, The OC, was its music culture. And it was it was a whole bunch of, like, up-and-coming musicians that would, their music would play in the background, like, between scenes or stuff like that. And, and like, the OC catalog became, like, legitimately good music. It was, like, a chapter of my life where I just listened to that music. And I think the NBA should do more to to like if they want to get involved with music if they want to develop a culture get some you know get some up and coming musicians of 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 all genres out there uh to to maybe not the country crowd i'm i'm thinking <laughs> i'm thinking you know country would probably be a genre we could skip out on on that one but but like if they really want to do that like i just don't want to see half assed ja rule performances but you know, who's, like who's tuning it, but in like, from who's but, tuning in for music in the first place well, you know? I, I, but I think if you're going to do it, like actually really commit to it and you could have that on, you have two halves of the court. So you could have a performer on one half and you could have the dunk contest on the other half. And you could like, if this is like a halftime show kind of thing, this is the kind of stuff that they did way, way, way back in the day where they'd have like one-on-one games, uh, you know, between guys on, on different teams. And they obviously aren't going to do that. The players union would never be okay with that. But like, if you are interested in making this more of an event because of how different this season is going to be, I would agree that like, if you're going to do music, okay, do music, but also like use the music to hype up the thing that the basketball aspect, the basketball, I can get behind that, right? Like where if you're kind of putting that as the background, the soundtrack to two Mm -hmm. guys going at it in a one-on-one tournament, or uh, again, they're all, there's there's shoes and there's, you know, the, the fashion of the NBA. Yeah. There are all sorts of elements to basketball that people are into. I'm not as into those things, but that's a whole thing, right? Yeah. Like, and so the, the game needs to celebrate itself. And I, I do think that accentuating the basketball with those right. peripheral things, I do think that's a good point. Yeah, that's that's all I meant. Like, I don't mean like, you know, that's the only thing that you're going to do there. I think if you do that and then you also have, you know, like a short three-point contest or a game to like three between two you know, uh, street ballers where like LA Venice beach, people will be lining up to do that shit. Mm-hmm. And then, and then like you got Rutgers on the, on the other, uh, Rucker park on the other coast. And I'm sure there are all kinds of stuff like in, in like a, in a uh, state like Indiana, you could have the, um, Mr. Basketball in Indiana come out and, and, and play and, and, you know, get people hyped for that season. Like just, just, Stuff like that, 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 you know, you can play your music and then also have it, you know, background, be the backdrop for the basketball. Because, you know, I think one thing that the NBA is lacking, I think this is something that you and I agree on, is the presentation of the basketball is just supremely <laughs> lacking. It's so bad. It, we got to make it the main thing. We really yeah. have to focus on the game. 
Yeah. Uh, that actually isn't where we were going to start today's show. We uh, are going to talk about, you know, the report that the NBA is looking to come back December 22nd, which would give and, and camps would open up uh, December 1st. We now know that the draft is going to be on November 18th. Free agency is, I would, I would imagine, going to very shortly follow that NBA draft. We haven't yet gotten a date on that. Uh, so basically what we're talking about is, in off season, which is usually about three, three ish, four ish months long, is now being cut down to a month and a half, basically. And what does that mean for a team that just finished playing two weeks ago? <laughs> uh, so, so what we're gonna do? We there, there are three things to focus on here. There's the actual from the players' perspective, perspective, what what they're gonna have to do to get their bodies ready for a season with this short a turnaround, whether or not this helps or hurts the Lakers. Uh, you have the team building aspect of it because the Lakers are going to have quite a few moving pieces and how a relatively new front office is going to go about building that. And then, and then also, you know, somebody like Frank Vogel had a very successful first season, but it, you know, dealing with a, a team with so many moving parts, uh, now he is going to have the foundation of, of the experience of coaching Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So he'll have something more to lean on than he had last year, but this is still a really quick turnaround uh, given that not only are the Lakers going to look very different, but the league could look very different next season. So there are a ton of things to get to. So I'm going to throw to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to try to parse all of them. There's many of them as we can. We'll see. Today's show is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Head on over to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and save 10 bucks off your first order, your second order, your third order, and however many orders you or your friends that you tell about this uh, great product get to benefit from. They have great flavors, everything from caramel brownie, my personal favorite name is Cherry Barcia, uh, the, the cookies and cream one is fantastic. Uh, and then they have the regular, you know, salted caramel is 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 uh, my original favorite flavor. And it's great no matter what you might be looking for. Are you looking to supplement a meal while you're trying to cut weight? Are you looking to have a little bit of extra protein to add to a meal if you're trying to gain weight? Are you trying to maintain weight by, you know, just having a nice healthy snack? It's going to be great for you. It's going to have you covered. So head on over again to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON and save 10 bucks off your next order. Again, promo code locked on for 10 bucks off at builtbar.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. I had a dream last night that I was uh, Rob Palenka's guest to a game. Oh, how'd that work out? Not great. I knocked somebody out of the stands. I was running late the whole time. 
<laughs> it's kind of a nightmare. I can't lie. What do you, what, what do you think it What do you think it all means? Uh, I don't think the Lakers like me very much. Is <laughs> and I and my subconscious is aware of that. <laughs> um, all right, so let's go ahead and let's start with the players aspect of this because just as with last season, the Lakers are going to go as LeBron James and Anthony Davis go, and like one thing that. I am supremely confident about is actually LeBron James's body uh, and, and his ability to handle all of this because he always keeps himself in phenomenal shape. The person I'm a little bit more nervous about is actually Anthony Davis, where <laughs> this is the longest season, not just in terms of the longest season everybody has played, but this is the deepest into a season Anthony Davis has ever played. So let's start with those two guys uh, I don't think a short regular season or a short off season helps them, but do you think it hurts them in any explicit way, in any concrete way? I think it depends on how we plan for it. I, I do think that there's risks to both of them. And LeBron is, I think, fantastic at scheduling out his year to make sure that he is able to hit his peak performance in the playoffs. It's kind of a weird one this year with how things went, but he was able to recalibrate and get to that point come playoff time. And that's part of what AD will have to learn is how to pace himself properly with the added, like you said, it's about half the time, the recovery time that a champion would normally have to get into the next season. And so then it becomes a question of what does that plan look like? I do think Danny Green's point uh, yesterday or the day before about how some guys are going to sit out games early on. I think that's that's probably true. That, and that's mm -hmm. probably smart. The one thing I want us to avoid is I don't want in-game load management as much as possible. Like if you're going to play in this game, go all out. And that's going to mean leaning on young guys, right? Mm-hmm. THT, Caruso, Devontae Kaycock, uh, different Kuzma, different younger guys can kind of, I think, eat some of those innings early in the season. But if LeBron and AD don't want to go through that whole, and, and again, this is all done reverse engineered from, can we get the best version of them come playoff time? They should sit games out, in my opinion, mm -hmm. right? Rather than play in the games, but not really play defense and not really do the the things from an effort perspective that can help win the game. I think there's more value in getting, say, THT has some ball handling ability. Caruso's shown flashes of that. I'd rather have those guys get increased touches than LeBron kind of taking a date games off. Now, obviously, you're going to need LeBron, and they're going to have to be judicious, and they were good at this this year of, like, giving just enough effort to pick up the W. Yeah, I was going to say, move he on does that anyway. <laughs> right, and so he's going to in-game load manage, for sure. Yeah. Just the, the extent to which you're going to do that at some point I'd rather just not have them play than have them go out there. Cause I think that that can be part of the malaise of the year after you win a title. And so it, there are a lot of factors to gauge, but it really planning and preparation is going to be the key to all of it. And Vogel's particularly good at that as is LeBron. So I think we're going to be okay. It's just, it's a, it's a tough, uh, tough thing to figure out for us. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, on one hand, because I, I did hear what Danny Green was saying, and and I totally get it from the standpoint of the Lakers and Miami Heat especially, right? We just finished, guys. Yeah. <laughs> We're exhausted. But that said, there are 28 other teams that 
you know, they're, they're, well, hell, there's probably like 20 teams that, <laughs> you know, haven't played in like six months, you know, and they're fine. Insane mm-hmm. number it is, you know, and so, and, you know, I, I actually kind of feel like as exhausted as the Lakers might be, I think it's easier to kind of stay like they aren't going to get as far out of shape as some of those teams that they're going to be competing against. Like if you're going to, they're going to be teams, Pete, that haven't played in upwards of six months, half a year, and they aren't going to have a preseason. They're going to be elite team. Look at Brooklyn and Golden State in the context of yeah. this, right? They've been had their sights set on this upcoming season anyway before all of this happened. And so they're raring to go and contrast that to the two months off that the Lakers are going to get. Well, right. And 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 I think that's looking at it as a disadvantage for the Lakers. But I think where it's actually kind of an advantage for the Lakers is there's going to be a whole bunch of teams that have been trying to either stay or now try to get back mm-hmm. into shape mm-hmm in really short order with no preseason uh you're gonna have teams that you know even teammates that haven't played together they're gonna have to redevelop that chemistry in you know in short order they there and and you compare that to what the lakers did their identity is already set like it's anthony davis and lebron james and they're mm-hmm. they have just played together that they, they they can you know pick right back up from where they left off sure they're going to be more tired than those other teams and sure, those other teams might be more amped for the season because of the the low that the low point that you hit after the high of winning a championship. But but I think you know just as just as wary as I am of the Lakers not having as much time off, I think this amount of time off uh, is actually as as concerning. If I was a fan of one of those teams that haven't played, especially those teams that didn't play in the bubble. Now, it's a fair point, and if we were going into a playoff setting after a, a long break, I'd be more inclined to agree. But I think energy is going to win out over continuity early in the season because there's just no stakes. You're right that the Lakers players, like we have an identity set, we'll see how much of the team is back, right? A lot that will factor in to this whole dynamic as well, right? Because if we if there's a decent amount of roster turnover that argument may apply to LeBron and Anthony Davis and a couple other guys that stick around, but some of those other guys will have been off for six months. Right. And right. they'll, but I, I just don't see like, let me ask you this. What is the motivation for the Lakers to have their foot on their throttle throttle really at all in late December when these regular season games start early January and all that. Almost nothing whatsoever. You know, like I, yeah. I think, I think for, so Danny Green, I thought it was really interesting that he was the purveyor of this tone because he is like, this is his, this is probably the last season where he's going to be making the amount of money that he's making. And he's already won his championships. He's already, his career is basically defined at this point. And so for him, he's kind of like, he's also it, was hurt during the run. Yeah, like he's right. got to be going like that too. Fuck, I got to go do <laughs> this right. again. You're like right. my hip is still hurting. Yeah, that's a great point. And and I could see why from his standpoint in particular, he's saying, "Man, I <laughs> Come on, guys. You're killing me." But mm-hmm. the Kuzmas, the Carusos, uh the THT, the Kaycocks, the whoever they draft, right? Those guys mm-hmm. are going to be those guys are going to want to set a tone really early on, on what their next step is going to look like. Somebody like Kuzma, who I, I was, you know, I, I don't think he walked away from that finals, like completely thrilled with how he played, you know, Caruso probably felt all right about it. Um, 
but but even he is somebody who I, I think has a lot to improve on as as a player. So I think those well, guys, those guys, yeah. like, those guys are, are, are really going to be ready to, to go. And they're going to they're still going to be in in postseason shape from from just a couple months ago. No, that's so, a great point. And like Kuz averaged, what, 18, 19 points a game the year before. Uh-huh. And so like there's capacity for role expansion there. Right. Yeah. If you need Kuz to be Absolutely. a number two scorer early in the regular season, like it's all about collecting wins and moving on, right? Collecting as many wins as we can while planning toward a bigger goal. And so we yeah. do have guys, THT being another, that like I would like to see their roles expanded if we're going to kind of load manage early the early part of the season. There are guys that have the capacity to do more. Yeah. And somebody like DeMarcus Cousins, like if they bring him back, right, and 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 he's like this big stretch five that that – I think the Lakers should probably be interested, not not DeMarcus Cousins specifically, but a big stretch five. Aaron Baines comes to mind. Um, you don't you don't have to respond on that, but but if they <laughs> if they do add or if they bring back Boogie, he's somebody who could really benefit from you know a somewhat expanded role earlier on in the year as he tries to see what his body is capable of. You know, I, I think I and 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 by the way, you know, if if the Lakers lose KCP. Avery Bradley is going to be super fresh and I'm sure ready to prove that actually, no, the Lakers do need me, you know, cause they want, they just won a championship without him. He's going to be saying, no, no, no I, I promise. I, I, I have a purpose here. So I think he's going to be really interested in, in, in getting back and playing. Are you emotionally prepared for what Rondo is going to look like? <laughs> well, Watching your face. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm getting you ready for a take. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting you ready for a take. I don't think Rondo's a Laker next year. Oh, I don't, I don't think, I think he succeeded in what he was looking to do there. And and I think some mm-hmm. team is probably like, I don't think the Lakers should bring him back at more than the vet men. You know, I, I just, I think that would be given the kinds of guys that are, are, are need to get paid right now. Uh, KCP, especially, I, I don't know that they can bring him back at anything other than the vet men, vet men. Maybe they're saying like, we'll give him an extra year on the back end of it that he wasn't going to have had he just opted in. But somebody out there, I think is going to look at, at playoff Rondo, some team like the nets, for example, is a team that I'm looking at. And I'm saying hmm. that team knows that they're going to be a playoff team. They know that they're going to need a backup for, for uh, Kyrie Irving. They already have this weird, head coach not really head coach situation anyway so may as well bring in one extra you know really good mind and see what see what rondo can do for for that team i just the more i've thought about it and and the wild thing pete is that i'm like fuck i kind of want rondo back what is going on (laughs) yeah he'd be a lot after seeing the you know what he was capable of in the playoffs which it was he wasn't necessarily consistent, but he brought both mentally and as that ball handler that I'd been pining for, he was able to be that guy. Uh, so yeah, if I, I can't, you know, I can't discuss that, but yeah. like losing Rondo would hurt and ain't that some shit to say, right? It's wild. But it, yeah, it's insane. I mean, like if, if the Clippers decide to really blow things up and like, you know, trade Patrick Beverly, I think Rondo makes, we, Pete, uh, Jonathan Sharks and I talked about that yesterday. I think Rondo would make sense for them. And it would seem like a very Rondo thing to do. To go, to, <laughs> to, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, I would say the one thing, if he does come back and he is, you know, noticeably 
not necessarily out of shape, but he doesn't look like playoff Rondo. I still have playoff Rondo in the back of my head to say, well, maybe this is just what he's doing all along. And sure. I'm gonna, I mean, that, gonna, that like, seemed obvious, right? Like the, yeah. the, he turned it up considerably. And remember, he was out. He got hurt at the beginning of the bubble practices. Mm-hmm. So he went from not playing for like six months to really good in his second game back, I think yeah. it was. And, or, or no, that was, it was his first game back to being able to hit the ground running. So yeah, he has earned a great deal of benefit of the doubt. If he is back with the team next year, I'm not going to bellyache too much about what I see during the regular season. Yep. All right, let's take one more second here. When we come back, I want to talk about how we think uh, a a still very young front office is going to handle this, how a still very new to the Lakers, Frank Vogel, is going to handle all of this and the impact that a short offseason would have on them. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So here's where, again, I think the shorter offseason might help the Lakers. This team just had one of the coolest seasons like a, a, a collective team can have, right? Like they seem to really enjoy each other's company. They saw the benefit of having really good chemistry. Uh, they, they saw its benefits in the bubble in a very obvious way compared to teams that didn't have that kind of chemistry. So I think, I think most of those guys are entering this offseason saying, that was fun. I kind of want to try that again. Sure. And, and the people who don't, the, the people who are interested in moving on for any number of reasons, I think it was probably fairly easy to, to identify those guys. So I think Palinka has a very good understanding of, all right, who's, who's going to be back? Who's not going to be back? Who should we, where can we upgrade? Where can we do all of these things? So like, this is where, again, yes, Palinka has a lot less time to put this together compared to some of these GMs who have been looking at their team for the last six months. But the, the understanding of his roster is very fresh in his mind. And I think of everybody that we're going to talk about today, Polinka probably benefits the most from having a shortish regular season or off season. Oh, that's interesting. Why do you think that is? Well, cause I, I just think a huge chunk, maybe the biggest part of Polinka's job is roster understanding, talent understanding, t- you know, sure. and 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 also personality understanding. Like, yeah. 
he had a theory heading into this year. He, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, had a theory on guys that would fit around LeBron and Anthony Davis. And that theory was right? very right. Yeah. You know, Where that theory. Right? So, so it's not like it's, I would be a lot more nervous if we were coming off of two off seasons ago where that experiment went really, really wrong. Mm -hmm. And so no other GM, maybe only Pat Riley, I think can say that they have this kind of concrete understanding of their roster and the important parts of it uh, that, that Polinka does. And just in that, in that regard in and of itself, that's a huge advantage that sure. he's going to have over everybody else. And when you, when you include the fact that they now have, you know, the, the warriors, for example, they haven't seen Andrew Wiggins. Well, they, I guess they had that one like random off like bubble. Oh, no. the, the camp uh -huh. training camp thing that they did that Steph sure. and I don't think clay even attended. Uh, I'm not even sure. Draymond no, Clay Green attended it. Clay attended okay. it, and he looked good. But uh, according to reports, but yeah, they had the for teams that didn't make the the bubble had that little training camp recently. So they saw they've seen Andrew Wiggins exactly once, basically in the last four months, and you know I think that is a huge key to their season. Can Wiggins actually fulfill something close to the Harrison Barnes role? And if so. You know, does that give us a wing defender that we can do all of these things with? Or do we try to move them and and see if we can somehow upgrade while also moving that heinous contract? And and I think for for you know Rob Myers or Bob Myers, I think I would much rather be Rob Polinka in this in this instance, given how much he has to work with. And I think you could say that about just about everybody throughout the, the NBA. No, I think that's a fair point. I mean, we did win the title, right? And yeah. we do have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, which is yep. a hell of a starting point. What Palinka showed last year that he's extraordinarily prepared as evidenced by after Kawhi signed elsewhere, it was boom, boom, boom. These yep. moves that, as you said, everybody fit really well. It was obviously really well, uh, thought out into the future and he was prepared for different scenarios and executed them. So I don't suspect this off season to be any different. I would expect that he's already done has his, you know, a hundred different scenarios and beyond of if this happens, then we're going to go this direction. So I have a, he earned a good deal of benefit of the doubt this season. What he's going to have to determine is how much of this roster was part of the magic beyond LeBron James and Anthony Davis, yeah. right? And it, it, it's, it sucks, but it's also part of the job of, you know, different guys that contributed to this team. You have to put some financial number, some number on that. And you hate doing that again. It was such a great season from a yeah. human perspective. At some point, you got to say, we can't pay this guy more than this amount to mm -hmm. achieve our goals. And I also expect Palenka to have come to those understand to those numbers and to you know that's part of that preparation and so I, I do think you have a good point in that you know he's he knows that his philosophy from last season worked mm -hmm. and we are more tweaking the roster than right I think building having it. to completely overhaul and building it yeah uh, and so he's got a great deal of of flexibility of between running it back and getting hungry guys who aren't exhausted in. And I think it's probably going to have to be a mix of the two. Yeah. I, I think, 
I don't think there's any GM in the league very comfortable with how quickly this offseason is going to move as soon as it starts moving. Like right now, Bro, we're in this. Ain't nothing being comfortable for months now. It's 2020, <laughs> You're right, man. You're right. But I think of, of all of the, you know, GM's VP of basketball operations, whatever, whatever title the decision makers uh, across the league are given, I think of all of them. The, the person most comfortable with what he has to do here is Polinka. And then the other thing too, is like, there's a sense of comfort that comes with winning, but I think there's also, like if, if Polinka is the guy that you and I, I think pretty much know him to be given his relationship with Kobe, there's also a hunger that comes with, with success, you know, Hey, how can we avoid going to six in, in the NBA finals? And and he also I I'm sure Polinka and and the entire Lakers brain trust is looking at the league and saying Kevin Durant's in it this year, Steph Curry's in it this year, Kyrie Irving mm-hmm. is in it this year. Uh, the Bucks are going to be trying to convince Giannis to stay, so they're going to be a very different organization than over the last couple of years, right? Uh, I actually think I actually like the team that I'm, I'm, I'm the most curious about, not from the standpoint of like, I really want Giannis to be a Laker, but the team that I'm most fascinated by is actually Milwaukee for, for that very reason. Cause what they've done obviously hasn't worked. It's worked in the regular season, but they're two different entities, the regular season and mm-hmm. the, in the, in the postseason. So, but I think for Palenka from, from where he's sitting, he's saying, all right, I think if last year's team was, say, an eight and a half out of ten, you know, in terms of like, you know, what 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 an NBA team could possibly be, and that's what it took to win a championship last year. We probably need to be closer to a nine this year, not just yeah. not just in terms of talent, but also to make up for the fact that we did win already. The 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 hunger that we're going to need to replace in the regular season. That's gonna that's gonna be need a factor into this as well. As hard as last year was, next year is gonna be harder if we yeah. win the title. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. And then lastly, before we move on, before we uh, call it a quit here, call it quits here. Uh, Frank Vogel is is somebody who is gonna, you know, he's 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 a workaholic as it is. Uh, you know, based on what I what little I know about the guy, he's a tape fiend as it is, and I'm sure he's probably already. I would probably say maybe like midweek this week is when he'll really start, you know, coming back from the vacation mode and, and all of that stuff. And he is somebody who is going to have to go from winning a championship a couple of weeks ago to now opening up camp in a little over a month. And in that time is going to be working. I would imagine very closely with Polinka in terms of what they think the team is going to look like, uh, understanding what pieces could maybe be swapped out for upgrades and all of that, who the Lakers might be able to uh, grab with their mid-level given this weird offseason and and cap situation that every team is going to be fa- facing. Uh, and and all the while is, like I, I think the the place where he really has to start is we probably need to get better on the offensive half court side of things. And so he has a ton of work that he needs to do in a short amount of time. How do you think beyond the obvious, how do you think that that impacts him? It, 
It depends on the roster that he has. I thought that was one thing Polinka did well, along with everything else we've mentioned, is that he gave Vogel the roster that is consistent with Vogel's defensive philosophies in particular, mm-hmm. right? We were able to protect the rim, which is a big deal for Vogel, and ball pressure and close out to the three-point line, which, you know, he had personnel that was capable of doing that. Part of, I agree that we need to get better in the half court offense in particular. That's our most glaring playoff series weakness is the ability mm-hmm. to execute in, in the half court. And a f- fantastic shooter would go a long way, especially a guy who could come off of screens in that respect. That said, I also think that with the quick turnaround, there's an argument to run it back. Even if it's not the exact same players, it is the same types of guys. Like Identity. Put, Right, like put guys who can finish lobs around LeBron and AD, who can knock down open shots, ideally, yeah. right? Who can everybody can defend mm-hmm. that philosophically, even if it's not the same and switch, right? And yeah. philosophically, if it's not the same people, the same types of guys, I think that may be because it again, it fits Vogel's style as a coach. That may be the best direction to go in. I don't know if we change too much on the half court offense unless we get a guy who can really snipe off of uh off of off ball screens and then we can make some adjustments yeah i think i i asked this of of jonathan in yesterday's show and he gave an interesting answer i'm interested in your thoughts on this and i'll make the the asking of the question as brief as i can as we're trying to wrap up but the the lakers i thought were this really cool kind of throwback team that was able to fight against and and kind of mold some of the math to, you know, you you would think heading into every series, the Lakers were up against math and yet (laughs) the Lakers were able to overcome that or, or even turn some of those disadvantages into advantages. And I'm, I'm kind of curious if you think that they should return to trying to not have to combat that math, you know, and, and maybe add some more shooters and do that kind of thing or, double down on that and force the league to rethink the way that they go about that mathematical equation. Double down. They, they illustrated the flaws in that math, the math. I I, I said this before every playoff series, like, yeah, James Harden's a fantastic post defender. Just look at his points per possession allowed on post touches. And I'm like, is he defending Anthony Davis? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, 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 Houston's a great example of the math, right? They're the most glaring example of the math. Houston's three-point shooters, their their spacing was supposed to really kill us. We didn't give up. They had two, their fewest. They had 30 attempts in one of the games against us and 33 in another. They couldn't get the shots up because mm-hmm. we were able to. So where's the math for that that accounts for the, oh, these are bigger, faster, stronger athletes that can chase us off the three-point line. And now the 50 or 60 three-point attempts that we want are now yeah. 30 or 33. How can So if you can, like everything is quantifiable to some degree. But the the math the that adds up to those 50, 60 three-point attempt nights, it's not applicable to playing the Lakers. So yeah. if they can keep – and that identity is so built around LeBron James and Anthony Davis being able to do everything on a basketball court while being these crazy athletes, like that is always to me our foundation. So, yeah, let's heat up the perimeter again. Let's defend. Let's be able to rotate. Let's make them prove that they can do those things against us because the math to me is built on a faulty premise when it applies to playing athletes like the Lakers had last year. 
Yeah, I think I agree. My concern there is whether or not they can they can recreate that hunger that forced them to to run around and defend the way that they did. That's you fair. Know? I think I think in the postseason there's a good chance that they can. Uh, but they're also going to be going up against teams that are smarter in regards to the way that they defended. You know, they've seen that now already. So uh <laughs> it's it's stupid, but the ideal answer is a little bit of both, I think. You know, absolutely finding finding a way to 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 surround LeBron and AD with guys who can do those things defensively and also have those guys able to knock down open shots, which is, you know. <laughs> it's the easiest and most obvious answer that one can possibly give. And that's why I'm pretty good at giving it. Um, all right. This is, this is interesting, man. And, and, you know, by the way, I'm, I'm still not going to fully believe in the December 22nd thing or the December 25th thing until we get some kind of concrete report about when the actual off season beyond just the draft is going to happen. Uh, and the only reason we got the update about the draft is because ESPN is televising it. So I don't know what, what this, you know, when this off season is going to go, I don't know if this is a negotiating tactic. Like, is this the, uh, the, the governors coming out and saying, all right, this is what we would prefer. This is where we'd like to start negotiations so that if they do start say January, like mid January, uh, maybe early February, if they do start, then it feels like the, the players can feel like they won when that was actually the ideal start date in the first place. I don't know what all this is going to look like. I don't think there is any way to know what it's going to look like until we know when the actual offseason is, is slated to start. Uh, and as soon as you guys, as soon as we know that, you guys will know that. That's going to do it, though, for this episode of Locked on Lakers podcast. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Uh, Pete and I will be back tomorrow to probably pick up on our player uh, review uh, I guess series that we're doing I, I, I blanked there for a second uh, I think we're going to pick back up with Anthony Davis on that one tomorrow so for now have a great rest of your day meet somebody else's we'll talk to you tomorrow please Dodgers please don't upset me Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.